Welcome to the midweek Mission Ridge podcast known as Footnotes. Footnotes is here to give you some of the stuff that we didn't have time to cover in the sermon and encourage you to dig in deeper as you study the text. So let's dive in and check out what's in the footnotes. Welcome to another episode of Footnotes. Jacob. Hello. They're cracking his neck. Rob. Hello. Sucking on a fisherman's friend. Fisherman's friend is, uh, is a friend to this fisherman. Fisher of men? <laughs> uh, and then, of course, your favorite host, me. Also because I'm your only host, maybe? I don't know. We've, I've made that joke before. It's stale. Uh, so bad. I'm letting you down already. It's an <laughs> afternoon session. We apologize in advance. <laughs> Got some great stuff to talk about today, though, because uh, once again, okay, we're, we're creating a habit, Rob, I've realized. We come up with a series, and we're like, "Okay, yeah, we got a series. Let's do let's do the Book of Acts, and let's do it in ten weeks." And then we start <laughs> looking at it, and it's like, "Oh, we should have taken twenty weeks on this. That that would have fit there much better." And then, yeah, then we're like, "Okay, you know what we should do? Uh, well, we didn't do it with Philippians. Philippians, we paced ourselves nicely. We did a better job with Philippians, yeah. and this this was kind of a stopgap filler in between." You're like, yeah, we want it. We got One two weeks. And What's going to fit into two weeks at the end of summer? What's a great thing to talk about for two weeks? Well, the Lord's Prayer. That's only what, like five verses? Yeah. Yeah. No, we'll be fine. Five verses, two weeks. This is going to be just, uh, we can just relax, just gently talk about it, just leisurely peruse our way through the Lord's Prayer. Our sermon average. Time will probably come down. How long it takes us to present the sermon probably go from, let's say, forty minutes down to thirty-eight. Yeah, you know, like lower yeah. that. Yeah, Rob's gonna instead of average forty, be down to thirty-eight, maybe even thirty. Like we're you know we aim for thirty. Maybe we'll even hit it. Well, if I hit thirty, then you know the average is, yeah. Oh man, it'd be so good. It'd be so good. And then how long was the sermon this week? 40 minutes on the dot. Sweet. <laughs> you know, there's something to be said for consistency, Rob. You know, I, uh, so the, the sloth in the, in the movie where someone says, Hey, do you want to tell that story? Oh, the DMV sloth. <laughs> yes. From, uh, was it Zootopia? Zoo- Zootopia. Yeah. yeah. That's physically how I felt Sunday. You know, and, and, I was thinking maybe that had something to do with it, but as I, I was listening to it last night, putting it up, and oh man, no, you you <laughs> you weren't really going that slow. As I as well, I got as I got into it, you just weren't rushing. It's a very good analogy because both my father and that sloth have been caught for speeding. So, this <laughs> <laughs> is true. <laughs> That's funny. This is true. You know, as I, as I was getting ready for the sermon, I realized that the Lord's Prayer is something that is somewhat on our conscious. I mean, I'm preaching on, on John 3.16, right? Mm-hmm. Um, especially if you've been to some baseball games. You know, there's <laughs> something that you'll see. Um, the Lord's Prayer has been something that has been just something I've been familiar with for a long time. Mm-hmm. And what's the the thought? Familiarity breeds 
I thought it was familiarity breeds contempt. Yeah, but there's also there's another one that <laughs> maybe not that one. It's not so much contempt, but um, it's like familiarity breed, breed can actually breed unfamiliarity. Like we're so familiar with it that we're oh, not the lullaby effect. Yeah, lullaby effect. You know, okay. you, so as I got into it, I'm going. The Wait context, a the there's con- stuff here. Yeah, yeah. The context for why we would want to talk about prayer is different than the context than mm-hmm. that uh, Jesus felt like he needed to talk about prayer because prayer was actually a big topic. I mean, a practicing Jew prays all day long. If you've seen Filler on the Roof and you mm. see the conversation between the main character, I can never get his name right, but. Uh, that Not important. That ongoing conversation it is somewhat reflective of an ongoing conversation between a, a practicing Jew and and so for the disciples, like praying, like well, why do we need to talk about prayer? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So uh, there, I found I found that it wasn't just three verses that I needed to talk about. That there was a lot here to kind of package unpackage and address and yeah which wasn't bad not a bad thing not a bad thing at all but i'm just i'm noticing a pattern with us rob we bite off things that are bigger than what we wanted to chew on (laughs) let that be a lesson to us nonetheless nonetheless uh so also this speaks to that a little bit we've been using as uh one of our reference materials that we've been using to prepare Mm. for these sermons uh there's a guy named Brad Gray. Yes. And he does a teaching series. Um, I forget what the name of it is. It's called Walking the, Walking the Text. Walking the Text. I was about to pull it up, but you beat me to it. There you go. Walking the Text. Brad Gray Walking the Text. And it's on Spotify, but it's also a video series, so it's helpful to see him when he's teaching. But does excellent work on the Lord's Prayer. It's six 20-minute lessons that he does uh, mm-hmm. on the Lord's Prayer. So, obviously, there's a little bit more than two weeks' worth of sermon content to talk about, to dig into this. And he's really just starting the conversation in a lot of ways. Um, but that is one of the things that we're using. One of our one of our resources uh, is Brad Gray walking in the text, uh, his lessons on the Lord's Prayer. Yeah, and his website is walkingthetext.com. Uh-huh. Super simple. If you Google him, Brad Gay, Gray, and Walking the Text, there you you will, you'll find it. Bring it right up. Bring it right up. Uh, so in that, there's some stuff that we wanted to talk about that didn't... You were like, eh, this doesn't really fit in the message that I'm given on Sunday, but it's great information and great stuff to have a conversation about. So we wanted to talk about that today. Yeah, the first uh, is when we start off the prayer, Jesus says, uh, pray then in this way. He says, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. And, and uh, you know, we read that, and, you know, that's something that we've read for a long time. Jacob, when you say, our Father who's in heaven, mm-hmm. where's our Father at? In heaven. Okay. Where's that at? Good question. Okay. What does that mean? Like, 
What, what image does that conjure? In the clouds. <laughs> in the clouds. Okay. Morgan Freeman style. Yeah. Like, all right. All right. Um, or to, to use another analogy, Rob, if I say your son, Jacob, who is in Missoula and you're sitting in Moscow, right? Right. That would be far away, right? That'd be far away. And so that might not be the best analogy, but we're going to get there. If that's far away. And a lot of us have the idea of heaven as being far away. Yeah. Okay. What's, uh, what might be, what might be something we're missing there? Well, so one of it is, um, is that word is actually in the plural form. Just about every translation out there says our father in heaven, uh-huh. but it's really our father in the heavens. Mm. So um, that's plural there. Um, Does that change what you think, Jacob? Not that much. Okay. Really. Still heavens, like they're still up there. Yeah. Like there's a there's multiple clouds, so <laughs> all right. All right. Okay. But uh, the, there's an ancient Hebrew conception of the universe that was shared that Jesus and, and actually the scriptures uh, speak into uh, God meets people where they're at. This is their model. This is how they view the world, right? This is how they view the world. And so the ancients divided the world into heaven, earth, sea, and the underworld. And they viewed the sky as a vault resting on the foundations, for perhaps mountains, with doors and windows that let in the rain. God dwelt above the sky, hidden in cloud and majesty. So they didn't, they didn't have uh, access to modern scientific wonders like the Hubble. Sure. Yeah. So they didn't they didn't realize that the universe was as big as it is. Right. And so their concept of heavens, and tell me if I'm getting this right, their concept of heavens meant that it was everything above the earth. Yeah, and there was multiple levels of heavens, and so initially, like, just above the... So the clouds are in the heavens. Okay. That's the first layer, is my understanding. But then... It's like me swinging my arms up above my head... You're swatting heaven. I'm swatting heaven. Yeah, high-fiving it. Oh, man, I'm giving heaven a high-five, Jacob. Nice. Boom, nailed it. But then there's waters above the firmament that separate, you know, the heavens above and the heavens below. Firmament. What was the firmament? That was the separation between um, the sky and the, the, the waters up yeah, above? Yeah, our, our world and the next world, I think, is... Really, a way to think about that, hmm. um, because they, you know, like birds, they're part of our world. Mm-hmm. Sure, you know. So, um, I think I think what I'll try to do is I'll try to find a diagram. I'll try to find a diagram, and I'll I'll link the diagram. Yeah, I think we could do uh, that. That that that'll probably be, and then that'll give you some visual as to what we're trying to describe here. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm and I'm pulling some of this from a, a graphic uh, from the Logos Bible software. Um, so the world was viewed as a disc that was floating on the waters and secured or moored by pillars, and Earth was the only known domain. Um, 
the realm beyond it was considered unknowable. The the underworld or Sheol uh, was a watery or dusty prison from which no one returned. Re- regarded as a physical place beneath the earth, it could be reached only through death. Huh. And so, and that's there's yeah the great deep at the bottom. You got the foundations of the earth. Um, foundations for the heaven are being held. They're like these pillars that hold the firmament. You have the seas in between. You have mountains. Um, Sheol is kind of it's below earth, but not in the great deep. Um, in between the earth and the great deep. Right. It's actually part of the earth. It's just a depth that you that has a one way ticket, I guess. Okay. Um All right. and and so we see this um kind of referenced in Exodus twenty verse four uh in the Ten Commandments, you shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness, anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or there's in the water under the earth. Mm-hmm. And so there's this world that that um, no one really knows about. It's mystical, I think. And it's beneath the earth. It's waters that are beneath water. Earth, you know, it's just this underworld. Yeah. You know, and I think that matches some Greek mythology. And yeah. Like there was just... These it sounds, borrowed... It sounds like Hades. Yeah, borrowed views and terms and mm-hmm. kind of some bleeding. And and God speaks into that world. And This and, is what they believe, and God's going to use their language, their their context. Right. Mm-hmm. What they're going to understand. Sure. Yeah. So, when they say heavens, our Father who is in the heavens... And we already said, like, when I reach up above my head and wave my hand around, I'm swatting heaven. Like, I'm reaching out and touching the heavens. So our Father, who is right above our heads, right there with us. Really everywhere. Mm -hmm. You know, our Father, who's not limited by time and space. And so... I I think this is in the Brad Gray one of his videos, but our father, who's not an absent landlord. Right. This is, this is the God who is right there with us. Which we see a picture of that in Genesis 16. Um, Hagar becomes pregnant and Sarai um, becomes jealous of Hagar. I mean, she, she asked for Abram to take her, made and uh you know so that he mm-hmm. can have a child through her but then when she sees that um hagar is actually pregnant then she becomes angry and so Abram's like well do with her what you will i mean <laughs> she's under your power right and so so she bolts and, and an angel of the lord comes to her and he says to return to your mistress and submit to her and and um Anytime we see a kind of a, a break, an odd, an odd phrase like, uh, and then the, 
angel of the Lord also said to her, the rabbis will tell you that that also said to her, like you didn't need to, you need, didn't need to include that unless there's a break in time. Mm. So, I mean, the, having a period and then the next thing that was said would, would have been sufficient. But, but anytime the author wants to like, let you know, Hey, there's a, there's a pause here, you know? Um, and so it says the angel Lord also said to her, I will surely multiply your offspring so that they cannot be numbered for the multitude. And the and the angel of the Lord said to her, like another break in time. Like I picture Hagar going, whatever. <laughs> like after first thing he says, whatever. Sure. Second thing, okay, yeah, whatever. Like I'm still I still don't feel like I don't feel like going back and getting killed or whatever I whatever she was fearing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Was worth it. Sure. Um I, I'm still not ready to to dive in or jump in. So the angel Lord said to her, Behold, you are pregnant and shall bear a son. You should call his name Ishmael, because the Lord has listened to your affliction. Mm. And she later on goes goes ahead and says that I feel seen. I feel seen by the God of the heaven. Mm. So um so here's Here's a person that initially, like, we don't know of a connection between Hagar and the Lord prior to this moment. Hmm. There was never a a kind of a bi-directional conversation or or even a, we don't know of Hagar ever throwing up a, a prayer before this. But in this moment, God sees her and responds. And so... Um, out in the wilderness, even mm-hmm. God sees us. Hmm. This is the God who hears from the heavens. I like that. Yeah, that's nice. I think that changes. I think that shifts how we, at least for me, when I think about that. When I don't just gloss over it, I think about, no, God is hearing this prayer. He's right there with me. Because we have the Holy Spirit now. Like, he's in me. Like, God is right there. I think that shifts how I actually have conversations with him. I think that changes how I pray. I think that's that changes how I view that entire topic. Um. Perhaps it is the same for you. Yeah, there's been a number of times where I've where I've prayed, God, are you are you are you even there? Are you hearing me? Mm-hmm. And um, and as I continue to pray, my sense is, yeah, He does actually hear me. But that question that re- we wrestle with in our hearts, yeah, sure. I, f- I feel like that's a very very human thing to wrestle with. Mm-hmm. I would agree. All right. Let's talk about uh, this phrase, on earth as it is in heaven. Hmm. Let's talk about this. Well. This is a big concept. When do we first see heaven and earth? Uh, I believe that's in Genesis 1. 
and Genesis 1. Right and, at the beginning, uh, right from the top. Right. And when when Jesus invites us to pray on earth as it is in heaven, he's talking about God's will. True. And in, in Genesis 2, we know that God walked in the garden with Adam and Eve, yeah. and that they had shalom, they had peace. Mm-hmm. And so Genesis 2 is the last time we could say that God's will was carried out perfectly. Mirrored, if you will. Yeah, on earth as it was in heaven. Yeah. Um, earth and heaven are this unified concept. They're they're living in in tandem, overlapped. Yeah, I think in terms of, um, and the two shall become one, the husband and the oh, wife. Oh, yeah, yeah. And so in the same way, I mean, that word, and the two shall become ikhad, should become one. It's a, it's a singular purpose, not necessarily numerically one. That doesn't mm-hmm. mean that one has a voice and the other one doesn't. Um, but they become united in purpose and intent and mm-hmm. and uh, heart. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, in Psalm one fifteen, verse sixteen says, "The heavens are the Lord's heaven." And but the earth has he has given to the children of man. Um, and this psalm, the front end of the psalm talks about these different these different worshippers of idols and how they don't have a tongue and they don't have hands and they don't move things and they, and they don't respond to situations and and uh, but Israel has a God and. But, but what I sense is the application is, implication is, because we have a God, we should be responding. We should be saying the right things. We should be moving <clears throat> forward and and help helping, um, restoring mm-hmm. that oneness of heaven and earth. Yeah. And so through our actions, when we're doing our best at imitating who God is, we do bring oneness. We bring oneness and purpose. You know, when we go and pray for someone who is sick, um, and we invite God into that situation, when someone's going through a crisis and we invite God into that situation, and, and then they find peace through His Spirit and through His Word and through His promises, that's bringing, that's mm. God's will on earth as it is in heaven. Mm-hmm. So it's a pretty powerful little statement. I think it's, you know, just inviting us to go back to Genesis and and not just forgive what happened in Genesis 3, mm. but actually overcome sure. and bring restoration to those things that have been lost. Yeah, it's a. Uh, this is a. This is a. I'll talk about this a little bit this week, but the, because as we move through the prayer, we we come to the forgive. You know, forgive us of our debts, mm. and so forgiveness is a part of this conversation, um, which we'll talk about. But, um, 
what you say there about Genesis 3. It's not just forgive, you know, to be forgiven of Genesis 3, to be forgiven of this separation. Like what that what that does, what happens in Genesis 3 is there's a there's a misalignment of God's will for the earth and where the earth now is at. Hmm. And this misalignment, I think it, if we sub, if we submit and we pursue reconciliation because forgiveness is not the same as reconciliation. Right. Like I can forgive somebody. Um, you know, I, I, I can I can forgive Jacob for something that he said, mm-hmm. but unless I pursue reconciliation with him, then and he pursues it with me to repair the damage that that did to our relationship, unless we both do that, then you don't you don't come back into alignment. And I think a, a great way to view Genesis 3 and to view not just Genesis 3, but to view the rest of the story and what Christ does on the cross is to say, yes, God forgives. Like there was this, there was this disobedience, right? And right. we find ourselves in sin in, in, and we've, we've gone against the will of God. We are, we're now out of alignment of God's will. And what Christ does on the cross is he comes in and he, he forgives that. Like God has forgiven that. So it's not held against you anymore, but there's a difference between that and coming back into alignment, reconciling yourself right. with the creator of the universe. Mm-hmm. Well, I think of the tax collector and how Matthew, one when he experiences Jesus and experiences that forgiveness, says, "If you might have defrauded, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm paying them back. That's bringing things back into alignment." It's mm-hmm. not. It's not enough to just go. Oh, I'm. I'm forgiven. No. No. The funds that were were pulled out of someone's pocket need to go back into the pocket. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and when you, I'm trying to remember how many times over he said. You know, whether it's four times or seven times, I can't remember exactly what he says. But, um. You know that generosity, like, like that shows how much he appreciates and values the generosity that was that was shown to him mm-hmm. and um and I think that's just a great great picture of what you're talking about that yeah we, forgiveness yeah that is that is true that is real it's done like it's and th- and that can be and forgiveness can be one sided we were talking about this earlier Jacob and I, I I, I threw this question out and then I was pondering it and then I was listening to uh, one of Brad's teachings later and mm-hmm. he literally answered it. He, he said what I was what I was questioning, he said straight up like and forgiveness is a one-sided street but reconciliation is two-sided, which was where I was getting hung up. Yeah. And trying to and separating those two is important. And saying that these are two separate like these are two separate things they're related but they are separate. Mhm. Because sometimes you can't reconcile. Sure. There's some situations where the other party just doesn't want... If the other party does not want to do anything, if they are not willing to do their part, then reconciliation won't actually happen. And right. I think that's what we see. I think that's what we see with the world, is God has forgiven us, and he's done the work to reconcile. 
Mm-hmm. And what's left is for us individually and as humanity to then come back into reconciliation, to come back into the will of God, to bring kingdom right. down to earth, to, yeah. to say you're on earth as it is in heaven. Like, we want it that way down here. We're going to submit our will to you. And how much more does that need to happen than... I, I don't see a greater need than within our relationships, y'all. And I, I don't know of a family that doesn't that doesn't need this. Um, I see this need within my, within myself, uh, and my own, my own responses. And you know how easy it is for for me to be able to apply this in a million different places, sure. and uh, and not not even be able to do it well in my home sometimes. Sure. You know, and that's just um, uh, like after after a confrontation this this weekend. Um, I just uh, I I wept before God because I'm like, I did not hollow your name in that in that moment. Mm. That was that was I you know I mourned that you yeah. know like I lost an opportunity. In a moment, and I was talking to to someone about that event, and um, and they, and they said, "Well, you know, there's this piece and this piece and this piece." I said, "Yeah, but how would Jesus have responded in the midst of that? Mm. He, he wouldn't have responded the way I responded." Sure. <laughs> and that is forever. The standard that I look at when I think about Jesus on the cross, and he says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Um, you know, until that becomes my standard response, um, I got more work to do. Yeah. Well, and that's, I think, no, that's the uh, the other aspect. So we, we started off with uh, our, you know, our Father who art in heaven. This is the first. And then the second phrase there, hallowed be your name. You talked about this on Sunday some, and yeah. we were talking about it in care groups this week, but we could talk about it here a little bit too, of where that comes from, of of the, the hallowed be your name. What does it look like to actually hollow God's name? And and what what is that where do we get that from? The context of what that is implying. Sure, sure. Um, you know, first of all, I mean the word I like the way Brad Grace says, you know, hallowed, like, what was, is that, are we all Halloween? Like, what are we talking about here? Sure. What um, we get with, like, that's not a word that we use in our vernacular. Yeah. The, At all. When was the last time you used it, Jacob? Like, uh, not talking about the Lord's Prayer. I was going to say when I talked about the Lord's Prayer. I <laughs> gotcha. Good job, son. Um, yeah. Um, so, yeah, it means to make holy, to, to make sanctified, to treat as separate, special mm-hmm. sometimes we picture purity as you know and, and is God pure yes but that's not the primary driver behind the thinking of of that word and um, the opposite the biblical biblical opposite is is actually common so things that are common like toilet paper is common <laughs> you know Toilet paper is usually clean too. Um, well, 
at least half the time. Yeah, you're going to want it clean before you use it, but it's common. <laughs> dirt dirt is common. Yep. You know, it's too common some places, you know, sand, dust, you know, depending on A lot where of you, dirt. A lot of dirt. Rocks. Rocks. Let's say what that draw, dirt. So, um, you know. And, so and, common, uncommon. Yeah. Um, so God's. God's name is to be separate, sanctified, to be revered is a term that we could use. Revered, okay, yeah. Um, but through, but through our actions, um, is like I could say that I revere or that my relationship with my wife is sanctified or holy or separate. Um, sure. But if I treat every other woman like I treat my wife I mean like if all my other relationships with women are the same as my relationship with my wife then then it's no longer set apart it's not set apart it's now become common it's become common you're not keeping it in a position of reverence um of sanctification yeah yeah and so when I've been around people who treat their relationship with their wife as common. It's like, oh, this feels, oh, this feels awkward. You know, yeah, you know when you've met people like this. Like, they, they you're probably thinking of one right now. Like, you, you remember these, like, oh, oh, yeah. It's weird. Well, and I've had people um, years ago, probably 20 years ago, I was at a friend's wedding and there was this gal there her name was Christy and I had I had to escort her down the aisle so we kind of got paired up and so like I sat next to her during the sure. rehearsal dinner and all that kind of stuff uh-huh. and we joked around a lot I mean we just we just had a we struck a quick friendship there in a few short hours and someone, and then my wife Christy was was at home, mm. but then someone thought the Christy there was my wife because oh, because of the name they knew you were married to a Christy. Yeah, yeah, and we just okay, got, and 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 it was just super easy to get along, and 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 it made me go, oh, am I treating my relationship with my wife as common? Like, am I sure? You know. Uh, oh. Like it, it made me step back and go, "What's going on here?" You know, mm. like let me evaluate. Hmm. Um, and so I, I've had, I've had that probably a couple, t- couple different times, and going, you know, I need to do a better job of treating my relationship with other people differently, and it's something I had to learn as a young married person. Mm-hmm. You know, like I need to treat my relationships with other ladies differently, significantly different, so that they know that this is not the one that is that I'm separated to. Sure, there's a there's a distinction. And so I could say, oh yeah, my my relationship with my wife is unique, but you could tell through my through my actions. Mm-hmm. So hallowed be your name. Like, am I? Am I walking out carrying God's name in this revered 
uh, position? Am it, I holding it in reverence? Yeah. Aaron Couch says that, you know, God says, um, you shall not carve out images. You know, the, the Exodus 20 verse 4 that we read earlier, you, you shall not make for yourself images. Hmm. Why is that? Well, because God has already placed his image someplace. Hmm. Where was that? I remember reading it somewhere. I think we already talked about that chapter. <laughs> Where was that at? Huh. They placed it in people. So mm, Yeah, Genesis 1. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. So when we live out God's image really well, we holy his name. There you go. We let people know that um, that we have a God that we we revere, and so maybe holiness and purity aren't aren't so disconnected after all. Maybe by me living in such a way that people go, oh, he kind he kind of keeps himself clean. Um, like he doesn't. There's something to be said for that. Yeah. So. Um, carries himself in a manner that is set apart. I really think that's what Jesus is not inviting us to hope that somehow God's name will be become holy. Sure. Or that we would just talk about God's name being holy, but but that our actions would reflect the kind of God that we serve. And I think that leads to his will being done on earth as it is in heaven. Yeah. Because if we're going to carry ourselves in a manner that's going to hallow his name. Mm -hmm. So if I live my life in a manner that is going to glorify God's name and, and hold that in reverence and be a depiction of that, to be a, an image bearer that's worthy of that. Um, it's probably going to look a lot like me submitting my will to his will, which yep. would be bringing about the kingdom of heaven on earth. Yeah. Oh, shoot. Dang. That's tasty. Yeah. So when I, when I had to look back on, on the altercation I had, the conversation that I had that was called an argument. <laughs> an intense moment of fellowship. Intense moment of fellowship. I had to re- realize that one that I uh, I wasn't doing the will of God. That was not that was not the way to do that. Mm. Uh, two it had an impact on the other on the other person and actually persons uh, persons, and then um, and then God's name wasn't holied, and so like all those things I had to. I had to re- reflect on and 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 are still reflecting on. Yeah, yeah. So, but all those things I had to kind of come to come to grips with. Um. You know, and so there is grace. Uh, there is forgiveness. There's restitution, mm-hmm. and um, and so these are the things that. As a Christian community, we need to we need to embrace um, because we don't always get it right. Um, that's universal. Mm-hmm. Um, if you could raise your hand, 
even if you can't <laughs> raise your hand. Um, but if you have breath, uh, you will need to ask for forgiveness probably today from someone close to you. Yeah. Yep. And yet, what we do makes an impact. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. Good stuff. Which is why we might need to pray through this, you know, on a daily basis. And uh, the early church fathers actually recommended three times a day for this particular. Three times a day. Three times a day. That sounds like at every meal. Yeah, morning, noon, and night, or. I love the I love the prayer. But do you pray before or after the meal with it? Both. Find in out between, Sunday. In between the salad. <laughs> Find out and Sunday. The main course. Oh. I do like the prayer of the guy. Um, you know, he says, "Lord, I haven't cussed. I uh, I haven't lied. I haven't stolen. Um, haven't gotten in an argument yet. But I'm about ready." to to get out of bed. And so if you would please be with me. Uh, <laughs> In other words, uh, all I've done at this point is open my eyes. But if you would please be with me, I'm going to need some help. So I haven't screwed it up yet. But I'm planning on it, so... <laughs> or, or at least the potential is there. I'm already thinking about people, and we're getting dangerously close to an argument. So if you want to help, that would be peachy. Mm-hmm. I like that. That's nice. That's good stuff. Yeah. Cool. Well, there you have it. The first week of our two-week foray, foray into uh, the Lord's Prayer, the prayer of the Lord. Did they tell you this is the Lord's Prayer? It's like the Lord's chips. Anyway, uh, glad to have you join us. <laughs> we will catch you next time. Peace. Peace. You've been listening to Footnotes on the Mission Ridge podcast. For more information about Mission Ridge, please visit our website at missionridge.church. Thanks for tuning in. We hope the rest of your week is straight up hashtag blessed and that you'll join us again next week for more Footnotes.